Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 135 in back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers Now. At about 146.47, we'll do some texts. I've got a, a couple uh, texts critical of the fact that we're even talking about hockey. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, this is Oilers Now, and we are going to go to our headliner today, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open for training. They're taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. We welcome back to the show a guy I've known a long time, Western Hockey League Commissioner Ron Robinson. Ron, how are you doing? Very good, Bob. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, stepping up and uh, doing the show because I cannot imagine... Uh, and I know it pales in comparison to the bigger ongoing challenge we have with COVID-19 and the pandemic, but this must be very challenging times for your league right now. Well, it is, and uh, as you say, there's a much more important and bigger battle to fight, and that is this uh, this uh, situation we're in currently, obviously, and um, <clears throat> that's the most important thing to our league is the uh, always the uh, for everybody associated with our league, particularly the players, is their health and safety. But it is disappointing when you consider that uh, for the first time in 54 years, we won't have a Western Hockey League playoff or champion to declare. And uh, Memorial Cup-wise, 102 years, if you can believe that. Uh, uh, so it is really a remarkable uh, uh, time and uh, a difficult time for everybody. There, I know there's a perception out there, Ron, that you know all 22 of your teams uh, you know, turn a significant profit, which would be completely incorrect. Um, you know, there's going to be a residual effect moving forward here for you in the league, and I'm not even sure anybody has any idea where we can wrap our heads around at that. But in terms of the short term um, and just, you know, the messaging that had to occur specifically for your players and I think your 20-year-old kids that have invested four or five years, those must have been tough conversations for your respective general managers around the league and coaches. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, many players, of course, were looking forward to finishing their junior careers and uh, getting the opportunity to, you know, play in the playoffs, take a run for the for a championship. And I think, particularly of the Oil Kings and the season that they've had, uh, but the twenty-year-olds are really impacted because those are the uh, this is a really means the conclusion of their junior eligibility. And even though many of them will move on with our scholarship program to. Uh, bigger and better things uh, and some into professional hockey um you know i think the uh, the disappointment of not being able to finish it out would be uh, would be uh, very difficult and everybody concerned uh at what point did you get concerned uh about covid19 and the pandemic uh and, and I, I bring this up and we should mention to our listeners you have multiple organizations in the state of washington and the state of washington was the original hotbed for this in the united states and, and Bob, that's exactly uh, where we, it all started, and uh, and we were monitoring it very closely uh, with our teams, particularly in Seattle and Everett, uh, from the outset. And uh, it became very apparent early on, perhaps more so in our region, as within the Canadian Hockey League, that is, uh, based on the fact that we have you know, five teams in the U.S. and four in Washington State. And then, of course, uh, B.C. was to follow, and uh, we could see it uh, certainly... Um, uh, based on the experts we were speaking to, that the pattern was going to continue, was going to spread throughout uh, Western Canada. So 
so at that point, uh, <clears throat> certainly based on the experience we were having in Seattle and Everett and monitoring players who were being tested at the time and so forth, that it was it was a very uh, uh, growing concern and something that we were going to have to act on fairly quickly. Uh, Western Hockey League Commissioner Ron Robinson. He's, how long have you been in that role now, Ron? At least, what, 18, 20 years? This is my 20th uh, season, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I was thinking back to when, when you would have uh, been announced for that role. Uh, so you have the situation uh, in certainly in Seattle and Everett. And Everett, by the way, for the listeners that don't know, uh, from a business perspective, I would, it, with all due respect to the Oilers organization, which uh, Oilers Investment, you know, Oilers Entertainment Group has has won uh, your business awards before. There's a guy named Zoran Ratchich uh, who has uh, worked in Everett for Bill Yule for a long time. That guy doesn't like they are a really well-run organization. Um, but just a, 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 have you, you know, was has there been a fair amount of testing of your players specific to the Washington-based teams? Um, not so much uh, more than what you would probably expected. There would be more in that particular re- region because of the of the, uh, the number of cases and so forth. But that wasn't the case. We had um, uh, we had a limited number of in the Seattle area, similar to other areas in the in all toll. I think we had five or six players that were being tested and. Uh, and uh, and all were negative, fortunately. But uh, no, there wasn't a. We, we certainly expected that there was going to be a higher number, a higher percentage, uh, just based on what was occurring in Washington State. But that that wasn't. Uh, it didn't turn out that way. How do you deal with a situation where Kelowna's hosting the Memorial Cup? Uh, case in point, they gave up a first-round draft choice next year uh, to acquire Connor McDonald from the Edmonton Oil Kings, who requested uh, a trade. I mean. Is that just the way the the chips fall in a situation? Like, is there any way to to give Kelowna something back from a compensatory perspective, given the fact that they've lost the asset of the pick and and then they don't get to actually play for Memorial Cup that they host? Or is that just that's just well, where the chips fall? There's um, many casualties as part of this exercise, obviously, and uh, the teams that had um, certainly. Uh, dug deep to find uh expand resources i guess and assets to uh to adjust their rosters and so forth we're just going to have to unfortunately uh uh accept the fact that that's the case so we're all accepting the fact that uh, the 20 year olds unfortunately uh, won't get another opportunity to play uh, the memorial cup will not be held in the western hockey league or by Kelowna this year by reason of this but this is all part of the outcomes of this uh of this uh, particular unusual situation we find ourselves in. It's very unfortunate, but it is what it is, and teams are just going to have to adjust uh, and move forward um, uh, for next season. Ron, uh, you know, we, we just had an hour-long conversation with Elliot Friedman and, and Mark Spector uh, about, you know, the long-term challenges that the NHL is going to uh, have to deal with coming out of this because we have to be pragmatic. I'm sure that's something you guys are looking at in the Western Hockey League as well, that the business might have to change a little bit moving forward here once we do indeed get back up and running. Well, uh, no question. I think um, all of this has caused us to uh, to uh, not only reflect on the operations, but uh, what it would look like moving forward. And, and quite honestly, in our case, it does give us a little bit of time to do some of that uh, work, both at the club level and league level. I think the, um, you know, I really uh, have to say that our ownership have been uh, extremely good through all of this. Uh, you know, this is a, a best case, a break-even proposition for them out there, and it's a, it's a difficult one to sustain franchises, but they are all very supportive of uh, what we have to do moving forward, and, and uh, we're all hopeful that, uh, first and foremost, that we'll start on time 
this fall. I think it's important for young players in our league, for instance, to have the opportunity to continue their training and development in the off season and prepare for the start of the season. And we just want things to get back to as close to normal as possible in order for that to occur. But recognizing that this is completely outside of everyone's control and we're just going to have to read and react based on where we, um, where we are in a few months. Unlike the National Hockey League that has 31 privately owned teams, you have privately owned teams and you have community owned teams. Um, does that provide some initial potential challenges in terms of philosophical approaches with staffing once you get things done, like your Western Hockey League draft and that sort of thing moving forward? You know, that's the great thing about the Western Hockey League, and I credit people long before I came on the scene of establishing that uh, that there is really no difference in whether you're a large market like the Edmonton Oil Kings or the Calgary Hipman or the Swift Current Broncos or the Prince Albert Raiders. Everyone has a real appreciation of the challenges that each of them have. Uh, uh, everybody said, well, your large markets have such tremendous advantage. Well, they don't want to be operating in a very competitive market. Uh, their costs of operating are significantly higher, whereas in, in um, the smaller markets, the revenues are lower, but they find ways to get it done by community involvement and so forth. So I think we've really been able to coexist uh, with, it's not easy, but certainly coexist with a wide range of different market sizes. And uh, and I think it really has to a lot to do with our governors who understand and appreciate what uh, what each franchise is going through. Last couple of years, the number one overall pick in the WHL Bantam draft, Ron, was from Edmonton. Uh, Dylan Gunther lit it up in the second half of the season as a 16-year-old with Edmonton. Uh, Matthew Savoy uh, took a big shot halfway through the year. Had some, some decent moments uh, in Winnipeg. He'll be on the team full-time. Um, but those guys didn't make the jump immediately into the league. We're going to see that this year with a kid named Connor Bedard who went the exceptional player route. Uh, it's a first for the Western Hockey League. Now, it, just to clarify for everybody, is this a decision that gets made in concert uh, at a higher level, or is this a decision that gets made by the WHL? With respect to his eligibility to play? Yes. This season? yes. Yeah. <clears throat> no, he's eligible to play based on the exceptional player rules that were instituted many years ago by the Canadian Hockey League and the uh, and Hockey Canada and the Western Hockey League level because of the... Uh, our draft age and so forth. We we did some discussion on this a few years ago, and in particular last year, when, of course, Matthew Savoy was uh, eligible uh, uh, for exceptional player application. But um, you know, I think that uh, everyone is uh, is excited about the opportunities. If a player is granted exceptional status, then he gets full opportunity to play on a full-time basis in the Western Hockey League. And uh, um, Connor Bedard is an outstanding young man who is uh, who is. Uh, uh, really uh, uh, demonstrated to Hockey Canada through the exceptional player process that he is ready to play in our league, and we're looking forward to welcoming uh, him to the uh, to the league here very soon. All right, we wouldn't have you on without a quick uh, question just about uh, the the WHL education program. Uh, regardless of what's transpired in terms of the challenges financially for clubs moving forward. Uh, those scholarships remain guaranteed moving forward. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, one thing that our ownership has been steadfast in, and uh, there's no concern, no worries at all in that particular area. The the funding of our scholarship program is always on solid ground. Our ownership understand that, and uh, they have supported the program uh, from day one, and we're just uh, thrilled that uh, over... 400 players a year are getting that opportunity uh, upon graduating. The interesting statistic, Bob, and you and I talk a lot about this, is that 60% of the players graduating from the Western Hockey League now take advantage of the scholarship program. So it's a 
it's an incredible uh, opportunity for players to carry on their hockey at a great level in university hockey as witnessed by the Alberta Golden Bears, but also the, um, the fact that they can pursue their academics. It's a full academic scholarship. So it's a great opportunity for the players to benefit once they finish playing in the Western Hockey League. And I'd be remiss without mentioning, Ron, that the school that you were involved with, uh, the Saskatchewan Huskies, won the Canada West this year. So there you go. And on, uh, that, let's do this. The next time we have you on, let's, let's have a little bit more positive stuff to talk about, okay? Let's hope we will. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to uh, starting on time next season. Let's keep our fingers crossed. All right, there you go. That is Ron Robinson. He is the commissioner of the WHL. Every day, the uh, Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Obviously, everything's on hold right now in the hockey world. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, and the gang at James H. Brown, they'll be there for you when accidents happen. We'll take a quick timeout, and then we're going to get to some critical texts when we come back on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 150 at Edmonton. I want to tell you, Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is focused on your health and peace of mind. And they're proud to be a part of Ford of Canada's Built to Lend a Hand program, helping their customers through these difficult times. Committed to social responsibility, safety, and supporting their valued clients through flexible financing, online sales and support, and even delivery and mobile service. Find out more about how Brent Ridge Ford is built to lend a hand. You can call them at one 477 3673 or visit com. All right, you can text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Oilers GM has texted the show to say, Bob, could you please enlighten me as to why the NHL can't interrupt the 2021 season to award a 2019-20 Stanley Cup champion? If this pandemic can't be solved by, say, August, why can't you cut the 2021 season shorter uh, if it's revenues? What's the difference between playing playoff games in September, October, and even November as opposed to regular season games? Isn't awarding a championship more important than regular season games? Uh, there you go that's uh that's an interesting perspective and again i you know it's i I think the reality is kicking in that this pandemic is going to take us to a place that is uh very uh challenging moving forward and again i'm the eternal optimist as well i I, you know june at the earliest maybe this text comes in and again you can text us at 780-496-0063 bob if uh, in these tough times, you are on radio talking about the Oilers. You really think anybody cares about a bunch of millionaires working for multimillionaires, boo-hooing about not being able to play hockey? Really? People are losing their jobs by the thousands, and this is all Edmonton cares about? You guys really do think Edmonton is the center of the universe. Pathetic. Well, thank you for your uh, enlightened perspective on things. Uh, again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Let's get to this day in Oilers history, and here's Brendan Escott. I'm still dying laughing at that. Uh, okay, on this day back in 1984, Grant Fear became the first goaltender in Edmonton Oilers history to win 30 games in one season. The milestone 30th victory of the year was a 9-2 win against the Flames in Calgary. Wayne Gretzky leading the scoring with two goals and two assists. 
I was in 84. Yes, sir. Yeah. Of course, they split Fuhrer and Moog for much of the time. He didn't get 30 wins his uh, rookie season in the NHL, eh, in 81, 82, because uh, that was the year in the Western, well, what we would consider the West, or what was it, the Campbell back then, I believe only Edmonton and Minnesota had actual winning records. And they both got bounced out early in the playoffs, and Vancouver went on to the Stanley Cup final that year and got wiped out by the Islanders in four straight. Uh, Jayla Nye is coming up today with 6.30 Chet Afternoons. She'll be talking to the mayor of Wood Buffalo about why he wants to go down in history as someone who overreacted to the coronavirus. Uh, Jaylen will talk to the president of the Alberta Firefighters Association about what they're doing to stay safe while serving the community and to a couple who decided to tie the knot at home after COVID-19 cancelled their wedding on three separate occasions. So, there you go. Uh, we will be back, uh, unfortunately, for that one texter who doesn't think we should ever talk about hockey during these difficult times. Uh, we will be back, and we'll have a show on Monday. And uh, on Monday's show, John Shannon will join us. We'll talk to Edmonton Oil Kings Director of Scouting, Jamie Porter, and we're working on uh, about uh, the U.S. draft and the upcoming WHL draft, which got moved up, by the way and uh, some of the permeations around the Oil Kings roster. Uh, we will also have a significant guest joining us on the show up Monday. Stay tuned for that. Brendan, what are you going to do this weekend? What are you going to watch? What are you going to get rolling with? Well, it'll start tonight. 1991 uh, Battle of Alberta is on Sportsnet, so you can bet it'll kick off there, and then we'll see how it goes. I've still got a couple episodes of Tiger King to power through. All right, so uh, they're showing Game 6 tonight. Is that right? Of that series? Mm, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Mark Messier turns the puck over. Theo Fleury goes in and scores. Messier was really hurt during the course of that series. Winners still one of them. Game 7 has to take him to get a hat trick. Hopefully they show Game 7 because it was a lot better for Winners fans at Game 6. Thank you to everybody who listened today. Stay safe. Uh, special thanks to all of our guests today, including Elliot Friedman, along with Mark Spector. Western Hockey League Commissioner uh, Ron Robinson. Special thanks to Brendan Escott for grabbing all that Connor McDavid audio as well. What does uh, Reed Wilkins have in Inside Sports tonight? Sounds like a fluid show at this point. Great job. There you go. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell with more ongoing coverage of COVID-19 pandemic in the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.